April 2020, it's not one we're going to forget anytime, anytime soon. This is strange times. But as we're coming into Good Friday, Good Friday is kind of a strange time. If you've been following along with us in the worship service, you've noticed that we sang two songs about the cross. When I survey the wondrous cross, and then the power of the cross. The cross is the image of what represents why we're gathering together tonight. So I'm going to be looking at John chapter 18, verses 33 through 40. If you would like to turn there, we're going to read that in just a minute. And before we read it, I want to step back, remember what led us to the point of Jesus being on the cross. So we have Jesus celebrating the Passover, his last supper, with his disciples. Following that, he goes into a garden to pray, and there... He is met by his good friend Judas, who has decided to betray him. Judas is bringing a mob with him who arrest him, and they bind him, and then they take him to two different high priest's homes. They take him to Ananias or Annas, Annas's house, where Annas interrogates him. He is the former high priest, and then they take him over to Annas's son-in-law, Caiaphas, who's the present high priest, where, again, they interrogate him. Then, early in the morning, it says, this is in verse 28 of that chapter, chapter 18, he is led to the governor's headquarters. This is where he meets Pilate and where we're going to pick up in reading from John 18, verses 33 through 40. This is God's word to us tonight. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to them. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Let's pray. Father, we are not all together in one room, at the same time we do believe and we do know that you unite us in heart and mind, you unite us as a body by your spirit. And we ask that as we listen to your word and we contemplate on what it is that we're remembering tonight, that you would show us your son and that you, Lord Jesus, would be brilliant to us. We ask for the work of your spirit in our evening. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus' accusation, the accusations that have been made against Jesus is that he is presenting himself as the king of the Jews, which has not really been the case. 
they've already tried to make him king, and Jesus resisted it back in John chapter 6. But as the passage unfolds, Jesus does acknowledge he is a king of sorts, and he is a king of some kind of a kingdom. Now, we are able to look back and examine this from our perspective. And with that, I want to kind of focus in on this big idea. And it's this. Jesus' kingdom is open to us when we realize our rejection of him. The kingdom is actually open to us when we see and we realize that we have actually rejected him. So tonight I want to consider this narrative and move into communion after this. And with that, we want to think about what kind of kingdom is this? What is Jesus saying his kingdom is about? And among the many things he talks about, here are three big ideas that he elaborates on. His kingdom is not of this world. It, is, it reveals reality, and then it rests on the king himself. So we're going to go through each of those. The kingdom is not of this world. So this is 33 through 37. Pilate is obviously annoyed at being probably woken up and dragged out of his home. He's irritated. He doesn't seem to be a huge fan of the Jewish people that he is actually governor over. And he says to Jesus, look, let's get to the point. Do you really think that you are the king of the Jews? Jesus' response is, "Uh, are you asking on your account? Like, have have you seen that I've been doing things that would make you think that I think I'm a king? Or are you curious? You know, are you asking this on your account? Or are you doing this because the people that just brought me to you is accusing me of this? So Pilate, somewhat understandably, is frustrated. He says, do I look like one of you? Do you think I'm a Jew? I don't really care about your little sect. It's your own people who have delivered you over to me. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this. So just tell me what's really going on. What's really gotten these people upset? Uh, Whose donkey did you steal? Option, number one. Um, Which religious leader did you embarrass? Whose girlfriend have you been fooling around with? In other words, what is it that you've done to get these people so upset? Let's get to the bottom of it so that we can settle it and I can get back to bed. Jesus' response doesn't seem to be fearful, doesn't seem to be frustrated. He's not even really trying to justify himself, but he does give some explanation. Verse 36, he says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from here. What does this mean? Jesus is telling Pilate, look, the answer to your question is not as simple as you think. My kingdom, what I'm about, is um, otherworldly. It's not what you are thinking it might be about. And in some ways, he says, let's, let's look at this rationally, Pilate. If my kingdom were the kind of thing that you're thinking, I have people who have been following me. They would have fought to have me not be captured by the Jews and then delivered over to you. If I'm the kind of thing that you're thinking and that others are saying, wouldn't you have probably heard that we were causing trouble someplace? Have have you heard that we're doing this? This kingdom I'm about 
It's not even, look, it's not from your region. It's not from here. What does Pilate hear with all that? So with all that that Jesus says, what does Pilate hear? He says, so you are a king. Jesus says, this is in verse 37. All right, you said it. Okay, I'm a king. As a matter of fact, this is my purpose. It's why I was born and why I have come into the world. If you are Pilate or even us reading this, what do you, what do, you do with this comment? Uh, what is he saying? Yes, yes, I'm a king. I've come to establish a kingdom. That's my whole purpose in, in even being here. But I'm not building a kingdom. I am. I'm bringing a kingdom. I'm, I'm announcing a kingdom. The kingdom is not from here, but it's for here. It's why I'm here. The way it's known, the way it's seen, the way that it's experienced is not what you're used to. It's not the way of the world's kingdoms. It doesn't arrive through dominance and the sword and political power or manipulation. The kingdom that Jesus is describing that has led him to stand in front of Pilate is not like any other kingdom that we have seen. He is defining what a king is, and he's defining what his kingdom is as a king. So with that, Jesus was saying, moving into continuing verse 37, as a king, I've come to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This idea of truth that Jesus uses seems to be much more than just right versus wrong. It's not not that, it's just a lot more than that. The way John uses truth really throughout his book carries with it this sense of, sense of reality in contrast to falsehood or mere appearance. There's a contrast between reality and just mere appearance. Jesus said, I came to reveal reality, reality of the world, which includes a reality of the human condition and the reality of the nature of this kingdom that lasts a really long time. Things are not always what they seem. They're not always what they appear. Jesus came to unmask the mere appearance of things in order to show us something much greater. Really, he came to show us something that is more hideous than we thought, but also more beautiful than we ever dreamed. What is it that he's revealing about our condition, especially during this trial? What is being revealed? So if Jesus is God come to us, which is what the Christian belief holds to, and if you don't hold to that, just kind of Walk with me for a minute. If Jesus has come to be God with us, what is it that, what is it that we did to him in this story? It's, it's not good. It's not good what we've actually done, especially considering if he is God in the flesh. What we read is a real historic event, but it's a lot more than that. It's an epic story. It connects to some some cosmic story. Of course, it's about Pilate, it's about these religious leaders, and it's about the crowd, but it's it's not just about them. It's about 
the human condition. They are us. If we don't see us in them, this story is not going to hit home. It's just a story. It won't hit home. We can't see the doorway to this kingdom that he's talking about if we can't see in their rejection our rejection. But by seeing ourselves in them, which is not an easy thing to see, it allows us to see a reality about us that leads us to a reality about the nature of his kingdom. What do we see in Jesus' trial and executions regarding the nature of his kingdom? Well, if you believe, again, Jesus is this king that has come from God, that he had the power that is attributed to him in the story, and yet he willingly walked into this hate and this abuse. He chose to do that. What does it say about the nature of his kingdom? It looks like the powerful refusing to use their power for their own benefit. It looks like a king becoming a slave. It looks like the first becoming a last. It looks like the good laying down his life for his enemies. Jesus is showing his kingdom is not of this world, but it's for the world. And then also he's revealing a reality. And in all of this, the kingdom ultimately rests on the king. It's, a, it's about the king. Jesus said, everybody who is of the truth, who is part of my kingdom, they listen to my voice. Prior to all of this, if you go back in John, you just look at the different chapters and see what Jesus says about himself. He says things like this, I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father. Nobody comes into the kingdom except through me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, they shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. All right. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have a background to this, but but pretend you haven't heard this before, and all of a sudden you hear this. This can sound very egocentric. Uh, egocentric, thinking only of oneself. Here's the definition. Without regard for the feelings or desires of others, self-centered. This can kind of sound egocentric. Possibly. I mean, it could sound that way, except his life was anything but that. His, His life doesn't bear witness to that being a reality. And now what he was walking into was actually the opposite of being egocentric. It was utter self-denial and rejection. The the antithesis of being self-centered is what Jesus is demonstrating during this trial and what follows. It's why he was, we would say, the only way. It's why he is the king of this self-giving kingdom that he's announcing. His love for others freed him to be unloved. His infinite power freed him to give up power and even be overpowered. So that somehow in this horrific event that is unfolding of him giving up his life at the hands of our rejection, he's opening to us his kingdom. 
strange times. This is a kingdom that is not of our world. It reveals reality, and it rests solely on the shoulders of the king. He's the only way into the kingdom, but he's the beautiful way. He's the beautiful way for all who recognize their rejection and keep returning to him to find rest, to find nourishment for their lives. So before we step into communion, there's an old hymn, and I became familiar with it through Indelible Grace, who is a contemporary group. Matthew Smith redid the music for this old hymn. It's called Come Ye Sinners. And I just want to read a few verses. Come ye sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you. Full of pity, joined with power. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. Come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. If you Tarry till you're better. Wait until you are better. You will never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous, but sinners Jesus came to call. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us your most precious gift. You gave us your son. Lord Jesus, thank you for willingly taking on flesh to dwell among us, to live the life that you lived on our behalf, not just to be an example, but to be a king of a new kind of kingdom, and then to lay down your life so that you might purchase for us entry into this kingdom. As we move forward into this evening and then to the rest of this weekend, help us to see you in light of who you really are. Sovereign, beautiful, magnificent king who laid down his life for his enemies. We ask this in your name. Amen.